0: Have been talking along the lines of the need for a spiritual awakening. Let me pray and we'll get started. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before you this morning. And we believe, Father, that you are stirring our hearts. For if we pray for an awakening in this nation and do not have one in our own hearts, that we've, we've fallen short. As so, Lord, as David said, I pray that you'll revive us again. I thank you for your word. Your word is good seed. I believe when it's sown on good ground, which is our hearts, I believe that it will produce good fruit. And we thank you, Father, for these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, Wednesday night, we looked at the parable of the sower, and, and in that parable, it says, when persecutions and afflictions arise for my namesake, it says this, they were offended... And as a result, it, it choked the word, and it withered, and it became fruitless. And so that, uh, you know, the heart is the soil. That is, that's one of the keys to the parable of the sower. The heart is what? That's the soil. And it's the soil, see there's never anything wrong with the seed, cause for the seed is the word of God. So if the seed does not produce fruit, there's it's there's not that there's something wrong with the seed. Yep, it's a heart problem. Soul problem. You know, it says one place said it you know it you know, fell on the wayside. That that's where everybody walks. That was the road. It says oh, I was trodden under the foot of men. It was too hard, it couldn't couldn't could never produce. Some fell on the stony ground. But again it... The heat, it withered quickly. But then there was that that fell on good ground. and said it produced fruit, some 30, 60, and 100-fold. You've heard me say any number of times, i repeat it faithfully and often, the only thing that produces 100-fold is the Word of God. But sometimes it's 30, sometimes it's 60, and sometimes it's 100. But that is what we'll produce in our lives. And so we're, we're, in, we're in great need of God's Word in our lives. As I said, we've been talking about the need for a spiritual awakening in our country. Our nations had two. They call the first awakening and the second awakening. First awakening, there was a a great pastor in America, Jonathan Edwards. And as a result, there were thousands that came into the church as a result of that first awakening. It preceded; it was just before the revolution. It probably paved the way for people's hunger for liberty. It was a tremendous thing. And then we was in need before the Civil War. I believe God sent a second awakening to try to deliver us from it. Or, for others, to have the courage to do what was right. In both cases many came to God. There was something that happened deep. It was something deeper than revival. They were awakenings. They didn't just affect a a, a church or an individual. It impacted the nation. These are not the only places there were spiritual awakenings. There's been numerous down through the centuries, but our nation and the world is in need of a spiritual awakening once again. You know that uh, that uh, you know they're always polling people, and and uh, Barna recently polled people. Do you know the 30 percent of evangelicals do not believe that Jesus was the Son of God? He was a good teacher. 30 percent. Yeah, you know, you get what you preach. That is not a pew problem. That is a pulpit problem. See, most of the time what we do, Glenn, is we 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 blame the people. That's a, you get what you preach, all right. If you don't preach the word, you don't get those kind of results. See, the suit, the the, the word of God always produces after its own kind. Can you say amen? Last week, well, last few weeks we've been talking about the subject of prayer. We looked at 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. That is a, that, that is a national prayer. That is, that is a cry of God's people on behalf of their country. This is in there. God is speaking to the nation of Israel. He, was, he is telling his children to, once again, to humble themselves, to, to have something change on the inside of them. Again, we're talking about the need for spiritual awakening. Now there's never any kind of awakening and and the truth is, as John Wesley said, it seems as if God does nothing on earth unless men first pray. You'll remember last week we pointed out the fact that the the primary purpose of prayer, and again many would marginalize it, they would say, oh that's so selfish. But they don't examine the scripture. If you examine the scripture, the primary purpose of prayer is to ask. We've looked at the Lord's prayer. Jesus said, he was very specific. Pray, my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are what? To pray that the will of God would be accomplished in the earth. He said, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he'll do it that your joy would be made full. Until now, you've asked nothing but ask. Again, he says, what? Ask. James says, you have not because you ask not. So again, I, you know, I, I, I could shoot out numerous more prayers, but listen, the church should ask. In prayer, you certainly do and should fellowship with the Father. You should. I'll agree that it is a conversation, but what we've done is that we've told the church that that is shallow and that it is selfish. And as a result, people are reluctant to ask. I'm not talking about asking for a new boat. And I don't care if you get a boat. Don't bother me a bit. Buy two boats. All right? That's not my point. My point is that there are significant things we get too hung up, Dennis. You go, "Well, what if you ask a miss?" Well, don't ask a miss. Be smart. Everybody say Amen. Yeah, man. If I'm praying for lost people get saved, I'm not missing anything. If I'm praying for your broken body. You're praying for me. I'm not missing anything. Can you say amen? Yeah. If I'm praying for somebody to get off drugs, I'm not praying amiss. I'm praying the will of the Father. Can you say amen? Amen. I'm telling you prayer is what the church needs today. Can you say amen? Amen. It seems as if God does nothing on earth unless men, what, first pray. Everybody say, it seems like that God does nothing on earth unless men first pray. pray. Now that's not some wild-eyed charismatic that said that. And I'm not necessarily against that. There's John Wesley. Amen. Today we're going to talk about corporate prayer. Corporate prayer. i got lots to say about prayer. We're going to be a praying, praying church. You know, Jesus went, he, you know, he went to his, you know, just before he went to the cross, he went, he went to the temple. He called it the Father's house. This not your church, it's his church. It's not my church, it's his church. It's not our possession, it's his possession. He went to the Father's house. He looked around the Father's house and he saw, my goodness, there's everything but he what he wants. They're buying, they're selling, they're merchandising. For twenty nine ninety five you can get miracle oil from Israel. Put your money in your pocket, save your check. You don't need somebody to send you a tissue or a rag. You've got the Word of God. And I believe God moves. Can you say amen? Yeah. Alright. Let's talk about corporate prayer. Look at Joel. Joel 1.14. Joel 1.14. Jesus said, My house shall be called a what? A house of prayer. My friend, Pastor James Jackson and Jeff City. That's the name of their church, House of Prayer. Hey, they may be the only ones that got the right name. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding a little. Job 1.14. And the prophet says, declare a holy fast. Oh my, we've already started out in a hard spot. Declare a holy fast. All right. Not a South Beach diet. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with dieting, okay. Let's just be clear, okay? Declare a holy fast. <clears throat> See, when you don't eat and you pray, it's called fasting. When you just don't eat, it's called dieting. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred. I want a sacred assembly. Sacred, that's what you set apart for God, for His purpose. Summon the elders and all who live in the land. To where? To the house of the Lord, your God. And what? And cry out to the Lord. This is what we call a call. This is a call for corporate prayer. Again, you you look at what he says. Uh, call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders. All who live in the land. Call them to the house of the Lord. And what? And cry out to God. This is a call for corporate prayer. Now you're not going to find the word. I know. I'm always going to have somebody say, "Well, the word corporate doesn't show up in the Bible." Okay, I, I, I get it, but the definition's there. A gathering together to do something collectively. It's a call for corporate prayer. It's a united prayer. Acts 1.14. Now, you know, there is a little bit of difference, though. You can unite in prayer and not be together. See, so you can get into agreement and not be together. And, it's, and I'm for it. Okay, I, I, man, I believe in the prayer of agreement. I believe in uniting in prayer. You know we can pray with believers all around the world. This morning we can pray with, we, we, we can pray with uh, brothers and sisters worshiping in other places, churches throughout the county, and be united in prayer. But I'm being a little more specific this morning. We're talking about corporate prayer. We're going we're kind of journey through Acts the first chapter. See, these these people's lives have been dramatically impacted you remember after Jesus died on the cross, these guys thought it was all over. They'd go back to their fishing business. Remember that? Peter said, I don't know about you guys, I'm going back to fishing. Jesus arrives on the seaside. Hey, hey guys, how you doing out there tonight? How's, how's the fishing going? Is a deja vu moment. Ah, not too good. Ah, cast your nets on the other side. And all of a sudden they got all kinds of fish and it dawns on Peter. Uh-oh. We've done this before. It was the Lord. You know, their dreams, their ambitions, their, 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 their goals, everything they thought was going to happen, a glorious kingdom that they thought was going to be established on the earth, didn't happen the way they thought it would be. Listen, just because it didn't happen the way you thought it should be, doesn't mean that He's done. I, but you know, again, they, they, they thought everything had come to a conclusion, a screeching halt. You understand, they go from the triumphant entry where palm leaves are being, are, are being waved and clothes are being laid down on the ground in front of him as he comes on the, on the white donkey and he's riding in like the king of Israel and the people are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna! You know, they think they're on the precipice of a political, religious renewal. What they had wrong was the political part, and they go from that moment, people cheering in the streets, to hearing people shout, "Crucify him!" You know, you can look at the story of Jesus. You can tell it. Don't take long for a mob to take over. Yeah, and so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna walk through the book of Acts. These 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 people, these men, these women. Th- The church, they are dramatically impacted by the resurrection. When He dies on the cross, again they think, this is it, it's over. But the Bible says that He showed Himself alive by many infallible proofs. So there there they are, they're standing in Acts first chapter and He's giving them some final instruction, go Terry in Jerusalem you you be endued with power from upon high. And while he's standing there giving them instructions, he ascends into heaven. Their hair starts at the back and walks all the way to the front. I mean, they got goosebumps everywhere. So when he says, go wait in Jerusalem, I mean, they make a beeline. It says in Acts 1.14, and they all, everybody say all, they all joined together constantly in what? Yeah. You know, before they ever went out and preached, what did they do? They prayed, didn't they? Before they went out and evangelized, what did they do? Before they started a program, for sure, what did they do? They joined together. I've underlined that. Constantly in prayer. Along with the women. and Mary, the mother of Jesus. And with his brothers. And so you will find that there is a theme throughout the book of Acts. They are so drastically impacted by the resurrection. You and I still live in the midst of the resurrection. They watched him ascend into heaven. He is now seated at the right hand of the Father. He is there pleading our cause. When we plead the will of God on earth, he's pleading on our behalf in heaven. Hebrews says he ever liveth to make intercession for the saints. Mm, i like for you to pray for me, John, but Jesus is praying with me when I'm praying. Can you say amen? He ever liveth to make intercession for the saints. We keep going. Acts, the second chapter. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, that great celebration, they were all together in one place. What were they doing? Praying. Again, there's this there's this theme. They have been impacted. Now, remember, they followed Jesus. I've said this so many times, but it, but it, but it bears repeating. Is that when we read the Gospels and we read we read the miracle starting at the at the wedding supper, where the waters turned to wine, and we go from there to healing the multitudes to feeding the multitudes. To healing the blind. And so that when we read the gospel account, we read it and we go from miracle to miracle. But that is not the way the gospel is written. When he goes into the ministry, he goes into the wilderness and he prays. He ends his life on earth in the garden. Praying. Or you might even say on the cross. Praying. And so, if you will, in life, you don't go from miracle to miracle, or you don't go even from answered prayer to answered prayer. But you go from one place of prayer to another place of prayer. And then God moves between those points of prayer. See, when the church gets this, I'm telling you, things will change here on earth. It seems as if God does nothing on earth unless men first pray. They were all together where? In one place. Acts 2.42. And they joined with other believers in regular attendance. At the apostles teaching and sessions. And communion services. And in prayer meetings. I've underlined. Joined with the other believers in regular prayer meetings. I've said it before, and 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 so not not to be, and, and I don't want to be demeaning. It that that it benefits nobody. But so many so many times, we want to we want to be at the special service. We want to be at the event. We want to be at the event. Okay. We got any seniors in the room this morning? Any seniors? One. So, not the way you were thinking. I guarantee, not the way you were thinking. This young man got it right. Thank you. Thank you. Who, where else? Zach. Okay. Got about three, three seniors in the room. Okay. Now, at the end of the year, they're going to graduate. Graduation, everybody wants to go to, but it's the Event. What got the award, or gets the diploma, is the process. Without the process, you don't get the diploma. You don't get the reward. Without the prayer, you don't get the answer. They all join together with believers in what? In regular attendance. Of what? Of prayer meetings. Of course, there were teaching sessions. I, 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 I'm just not dealing with that this morning. I'm not, not to the exclusion of that. Not to the exclusion of communion. We're going to have communion this morning. But we're emphasizing the prayer. Acts of a, I'm going to begin in Acts, the, I, I want to pick up in Acts, the fourth chapter. It's an extraordinary event in the New Testament. I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture here of course you know that it wouldn't hurt if that's all we did was come to church and read scripture at least our doctrine would always be right acts the 4th chapter beginning in, in, in ver- verse 18 and, and but we're we're going to go quite a little ways here and it says and they see Peter and John uh, had they prayed for a man outside the temple, and he was crippled. This is where they say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they reached out grabbed that man. He rose to his feet. He went shouting through the temple. I'm telling you, he, they were excited. Amen. It's a great moment. But you know, the religious folks, they don't like that. Now y'all, y'all settle down. Behave. And they called them and commanded them. Now see Peter, and, Peter and, and John. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin. They called them and commanded them that they should not speak at all. Nor teach in the name of Jesus. Wise well, like pointing this out. You know most people don't care what you say as long as you leave Jesus out. You can teach and preach. Anything else you want, you leave Jesus out, you're good. They didn't say don't speak anymore, and they didn't say don't teach anymore. They said don't speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Like Peter and John, they answered them. Remember, they know about the resurrection. They watched Him ascend into heaven. They were there on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God was poured out upon mankind. Whether it is is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things that we have seen and heard. They said, we just can't help ourselves. Threaten us all you want, we can't help ourselves. We can't turn the switch off. Boy, I like that. That switch is too easy to turn off today. We cannot but speak these things. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go. Finding no way of punishing them, because since the people, because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done, they'd seen this marvelous miracle. For the man was over 40 years old, on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Now drop down to verse 23. Now being let go. So finally. Now I did say they laid a few stripes on their back. A little friendly reminder. And being let go. I love this verse. This is really important right here. They went to their own companions. Little of Greek just means this. They went to their own. They went to their own. And being let go. They went to their own companions. Their own what? Company, their own people. Those who of like precious faith. Who's who's their own? Well, they've been praying with them for some period of time. It's it's the people in Acts one fourteen. It's 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 the folks there in in in, in Acts uh, the the second chapter verse one and verse forty two. Uh, again, they've, they've, been, they've been meeting pretty regularly. And so they went to what? They went to their own company, their own, their own people. Those that they worshipped with. Those who they had corporate prayer with. And reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said. So once again, what did they do? They found their own what? Company. Company herein is a strong case for the reason for gathering everybody needs their what? their company their people this is not this hip thing these are my peeps at my age you're done being hip anyway this is scriptural it wasn't that funny Jim (laughs) they went, went to their own company See, these are are the people that you prayed with and seen God move, see God answer. These are those that you're in agreement with. These are those of, as I said earlier, of like precious faith. They went to what? To their own company, to the companions. Here's what a companion is those who travel together. Those you do life with. I really like the next one. One or more persons which complete or complement you. I, I'm so fortunate in life to have people to complete and complement me. See, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just a part of the body of Christ. I need others to, Sarah, to complete me. I need others to compliment me. If I were the arm and I had not a hand, I would have so many limitations. And therein is many times where we dwell and we live, again, I'm making I'm making the case why it is so important for for people to come together. Those called alongside. Those called alongside alongside. Important things when we look in scripture, they, they went to a specific group of people. Their own. Their people. Their church. Their companions. So when you begin to read the book of Acts, you find this. Is that their unified prayer, that their corporate prayer provided unlimited Potential. Unlimited potential. See, prayer has to become more than a, a discipline. Well, okay, it's, it's you know praying. It's 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 in the Bible, and it's and I get it. We should obey everything that's in the Word of God. But it's not just it's not just our duty. If you will, it's it's the engine. It's what the Holy Spirit inspires and empowers. It's those words, pray that my will would be done on earth as it would be in heaven. Why? Because it's important. That's why he's left the church here, what? To pray that His will would be accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. Is His will be done in heaven? We know it is. He said, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed. Those, those Those are profound statements, Leon. Profound statements. A unified prayer provides unlimited potential. We know that, it, you know, it, you just get a, two or three together, you can get an agreement. But we learn in the Exodus story that one shall put a thousand of fly, flight and, and two shall put tens of thousands to flight. And as you begin to add people to that, what are you talking about? You're talking about something that's exponential. It just continues to grow. We pick up in Acts 4, and verses 23 and 24, and it says, And as soon as they were freed, Peter and John found the other disciples and told them what the council has said. And then all the believers did what? united in prayer. They united in prayer. Verse thirty-one. So then you see the results of their prayer, and it says, "And and after this prayer, what this united prayer, this corporate prayer, the building where they were meeting shook." I will tell you, corporate prayer will shake things. And it says, "And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit." What? I want you to notice how many times they were filled with the Holy Spirit when people were together. Why? If two or three gathered together in my name, I'm what? I'm in it. I'm in the midst of it. I fill that space there when people come together in my name. After this prayer, the building where they were meeting shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? And they boldly preached God's Message Now, before the 3,000 were added to the church on the day of Pentecost, what did they do? They prayed. Before the Lord began to add to the church daily, such as should be saved, what did they do here? They prayed. And so again, what we find is, is that we just don't go from one... We, we, we don't go from... One answered prayer to another answered prayer. We go from a place of prayer to another place of prayer. And then God moves in between those two points of prayer. Now prayer does this. Prayer unites the church in two things. In purpose and in power. In purpose and in power. I love this verse. Psalms 133 in, in, in verse 1 and it talks about the power of unity. So again when you and I unify around a purpose when we unify in, in prayer praying for our community praying for them who, who may not know Christ praying for our schools in this day and time uh, 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 maybe people will be unemployed pray, pr- praying for them to, for, for jobs praying for people who are, who are bound the drugs and meth and alcohol. We, we unite together in prayer. That's our purpose. And what's made available? Power is made available. Now I love this and it says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And so we look at this verse, and you can tell by looking at it, now lots of you wouldn't know what it meant to diagram a sentence, but you can tell that I went to school in the 1960s. First of all, it says, behold, what's that mean to take notice? I circle that. What? Take notice. And then you get God's view of it. This is God's view. It's good and it's pleasant. since so we pray together in unity it is what it is good to god it is pleasant it is pleasing to him we're created for what his good pleasure we take note take notice it's good it's pleasant for brethren what to dwell together to what to dwell together i underline that ultimately you see god's desire in his unity Scripture tells us when we'll be grown up, when it is that a person becomes mature. And I'm all for memorizing Scripture, but maturity is not measured in one's ability to memorize something. Scripture. Maturity is not, it's certainly not measured in charisma. Or even in giftedness, as far as the Bible goes. Spiritual gifts. I believe that they're important and they're necessary. But that again, that is not where you measure Maturity. Maturity is our ability to be able to to what to come together. That is what that's God's desire. Now we get, look at the next verse, though. We drop down to verse three, if you will. And then it says, "And for there, I like that. Everybody say there. I, you know, I find this word throughout the Scripture. And we talked about it a few weeks ago in relationship to somebody being offended. Specifically, I think we talked about it on Wednesday nights." But it says, there he could do no mighty work. There's an important place. For them, there was a place of offense. There can be, you know, a lot of different places. But here this word appears once again, and it says, and for there. Well, see, now you've got to figure out, where is there? Because if you can find out where there is, this is the place that God, what? Commands blessing. All you've got to do, though, it's not tough is figure out where is there. Well, we go back to what the last subject was. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. For there, in a place of unity, you know, I I will agree that there is some strength in numbers, but I will say some strength. There is some strength in numbers. There is some strength in having position. Place of power or influence. There's some strength in it. But I'm telling you. In unity. There's much more than some strength. For there. The Lord. Commands. What happens if he commands? You, you're talking about something that's irrevocable. In the beginning, God said, "Light be," and we know that the universe continues to grow at the speed of light. What did he? He commanded light to be. It's irrevocable. And so, when the when when the body of Christ, when a church, when a group. Even within a home and within a marriage, because see, this works everywhere. That's a wonderful thing; can work, at, can be effective at work. Could be effective in a nation. But there, there the there is what there is where the Lord commands blessing. He confers it. He pronounces it. That is the place. The blessing comes. Now see, when we see these instances as we're reading there in in the book of Acts, so they're praying together in unity and they see the Spirit of God poured out from upon high. 3,000 people come into the church. And the next outpouring, 4,000 people come into the church. Why? Because there is a place that God, what commands blessing. Acts the twelfth chapter. In Acts chapter twelve, Peter's been arrested. And it says that he arrested Peter in, during the Passover celebration and he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of sixteen soldiers. You know, they've become a little bad about losing prisoners. A matter of fact, they couldn't even keep one guy in the grave. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make sure that these guys are guarded because they they have a bad habit of wandering off. So he arrested Peter during the Passover celebration and imprisoned him, and placing him under the guard of sixteen soldiers. Herod's intention was to deliver P- Peter to the Jews because this is politically, ex, you know, expedient. Because they're not they're not too crazy about these Christians. They're impacting their, their influence, their prestige, their power. So Herod's intention was to deliver Peter to the Jews for execution after Passover, because we certainly wouldn't want to mess up this religious holiday. We'll wait until the holiday's over, then we can murder him. But listen to this. But earnest, everybody say earnest. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. What? But earnest prayer was going up. In prayer, you're always going up. I like that. Prayer lifts you. Lifts somebody. Prayer what changes things. The earnest prayer was going up to God from the church for His safety. All the time he was in prison. So this is what they're praying for. They're praying for what? His safety. Do you know we serve a God who can do exceedingly and abundantly above all you ask or think? But listen to this, John. What have they not asked? What if he didn't ask? Nothing would happen. Oh, but it's so selfish to ask. You see how misguided we are in our thinking. If somebody doesn't ask. Peter's got 16 soldiers around him that's going to turn him over to the Sanhedrin and they're going to execute him. But somebody what? Asked. And we have not. Said Herod's intention was to deliver Peter to the Jews. And execute him after Passover. But earnest prayer was going up to God. From what? Oh, we're back to the company. We're back to the corporate prayer. Oh, I'll pray all by myself. That's what the Lord's called me to do. Excuse me, what part, portion of the scripture? Let me give you a pair of scissors. You just cut out the parts you don't like, okay? See how well that works out for you. I don't like praying with other people. What? Well, you better get over what you don't like. Yeah. I don't like salad, but I eat it. Makes my mom and my grandma happy. They look down from heaven. They said, "Look at he's finally eating salad." Prayers going up from the church for his safety. All the time, all the time, everybody say all the time. All right, they didn't just pray a polite prayer, okay, let's all remember Peter, and then forget it and go on with our lives. Now the night before he was to be executed, well this is kind of a grim deal here. He was asleep. Well that says something about his character, doesn't it? Are you sleeping on your last night? And the night before he was being executed, he was asleep, double-chained between two soldiers with others standing guard. Remember 16. Before the prison gate. When suddenly there was a light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood beside Peter. I like this. Whether he says, I'm going to walk up, Dennis, you're not going to be paying attention. I'm just going to slap you. You're going to say, why would you do that? I'm going to say it was in Scripture. <laughs> the angel of the Lord slapped him on the side to awaken him. Boy, could we, hey, let's see. Maybe we can have us a prayer line this morning. <laughs> the angel of the Lord slapped him on the side to what? To awaken him. All right, I won't, I won't apply that spiritually, okay? <clears throat> he said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. And the angel told him, said, get dressed, put on your shoes. And he did. Now put on your coat. I mean, who's going to tell you once you put on your shoes, put your coat on? But he's dumbfounded. Get dressed, put on your shoes. Now put your coat on. Follow me. The angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. He's looking around and guards are sacked out. They're snoring, you know. But all the time he thought, I'm dreaming. This is a vision. And didn't what? Isn't that amazing? Because we serve a God who can do exceedingly and abundantly. Above all, we ask or think. Now, you've got to give him credit again. He was what? He, he's, he's, going, he's going to sleep. He thinks it's a dream. It's a vision. He didn't believe it was really happening. They passed the first. And a second cell block. You understand? You're going through cell blocks. And came to an iron gate to to the street. You Remember where all those other soldiers are at. And this opened of its own accord. And they passed through. And they walked together for, for a block. You understand this is a living translation. They go on down the street. And then the angel left him. Now Peter finally realized what had happened. And he says... It's really true. He's pinching himself. Truly really true. Then the Lord had sent his angel and saved me from Herod, and from what the Jews were hoping to do to me. And after a little thought, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many, who's this, this is that company, those companions, those that you do life with, those who compliment you and complete you, they were to gather together for what? Prayer. Prayer. He knocks on the door. This is a great story. I love this. He knocks on the door of the gate, and a girl named Rhoda came out and opened it. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed, and she ran back inside to tell everybody that Peter's standing outside in the street. This is great. All right. Here he goes, man. He's been delivered from prison. All right. He's been on death row. They're getting ready to execute him. The next morning, he's going to be turned over to the Jews. He walks up. Here he goes. All right, man. I'm here. I'm going to knock on the door. Boom, boom, boom. All right. Here comes little Rhoda. Come to little Rhoda. Says, who is it? It's Peter. Oh, she's on the other side. Oh, it's Peter. It's Peter. She runs inside. Now, where's he? Oh, he's still standing in the street. She goes in, she tells them, you just can't believe. You can't believe. Because we serve a God who can do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think. Man. Yeah, she, he's still standing in the street, you know. Now, you notice we started early in the book of Acts. When you follow God's pattern, you will find His provision. Listen, when the church gathers and prays, God arrives and He moves. Our problem is the gathering to pray. When you follow God's pattern, you will find His provision. Well, they didn't believe her! They're just praying for him safety. Just somehow make it. A stay of execution, maybe. You know? Because they were praying for him. Maybe a stay of execution. Maybe an act of clemency. They didn't believe her. They said this. Because she's pretty excited. She's pretty animated, you understand. And they said, you're out of your mind. And when she insisted, they decided, oh, there must be an angel outside. They must have killed him. Meanwhile, Peter, standing in the street, remember everybody's, everybody else is asleep except for these crazy people praying. All right? Soldiers are asleep, people are asleep, you know. He's out there, and he's still knocking on the door. I know somebody's in there. I heard somebody, and he's knocking on the door. They think she's crazy. If there is somebody out there, it must be an angel. They're just being superstitious, is all they're being. And then when they finally, finally, finally. (laughs) My, My hand's getting tired. I've been knocking so long. When they finally went out to open the door, to their surprise... Knew no bounds, and so I'm telling you, all these people that's crowded in there praying. All of a sudden, they're all out in the street. He said, Settle down, people. This is a jailbreak. <laughs> he motioned for them to quiet down, and he told them what had happened and how the Lord had brought him out of jail. He said, "Tell, tell James. James is kind of leading the church, and the others." what happened and left for safer quarters. You know, even beyond their ability to believe, listen to this. I'm a person who emphasizes a message of faith and I believe in faith. I believe in faith that speaks to mountains. I believe in believing that you receive when you pray. At times, God reveals that our faithful obedience is more important than the strength of our faith. Now, there's nobody there that you can attribute that this happened because of their faith. But it did happen because of their prayer. Again, he can't believe that the angel's bringing him out. Rhoda can't believe that, he's, that she's heard him on the other side of the door. They can't believe her, her testimony, her witness. I heard Peter, he's outside. They're astonished when they see him. But listen, what did they do? They found a pattern, and they followed it. And they found what? God's power. It, see, corporate prayer is important. Because God is able to do what? Exceedingly and abundantly above what we might ask or think. I'll close Psalms 116, verse 2. Talking about prayer. Because he bends down and listens. I will pray as long as I breathe. Why? Because we serve a God who who bends down and listens. Listen, if I get loud or if you get loud, and I'm I'm not against getting loud in prayer. Old preacher named Wigglesworth said one time, he's standing at a bus stop. Lady's got a little dog. That little dog's dancing around there on the street. She's saying... Come on, honey, you gotta go home. And they're standing there, and she keeps saying this. This little dog is sitting there dancing around. The, the bus is coming. Honey, the bus is coming, you gotta go home. You know, a guy like me does not understand folks talking to their dogs, okay? I just don't, all right? Honey, you gotta go home. Finally, she sees the bus coming. That woman said, I said, get home now. And that door went. Wiggles' jumped up, said, Lady, that's how you talk to the devil. Amen. See, if you get loud, you get loud with him. God, he bends over amen. and he listens. Can you say amen? amen. Every head bowed, no one looking around. You might be here this morning and maybe you've never made a decision concerning the person of Jesus Christ. When I say that, have you ever asked Him to be your Lord? Have you received Him as your Savior, the forgiveness of sin? Far too many times, people are just looking for a fire escape. They want a Savior, but they do not want Jesus' Lordship. I'm here to share with you, there is no salvation without Lordship. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that means you're giving Him charge of your life. Take all of me, take control of me. Take my heart, O Lord. Change me. Transform me. I call you Lord. You're in charge. Forgive me of my sin change me I accept you now not just as my Savior I accept you as my Lord there is no salvation without Lordship I'm not asking you if you've ever joined a church and I believe that's a wonderful thing I'm not asking you if you've ever been baptized if you're listening online that is not the question I'm not asking you if you have membership somewhere or a Sunday school pin we're asking you one question Have you ever accepted Jesus as the Lord of your life? If you haven't, we'd like to give you an opportunity to get saved. The Bible says, for as many that believe in Him, to them He gives the power, the right, the ability to become the sons of God. Have you ever asked Jesus to come into your life? If you haven't, this is what we'd like to give you an opportunity to do. Can you believe these things? Can you believe that He lived and He died? Can you believe He died on the cross for you? If you say, yes, I can believe that, then I'd say, can you believe in the resurrection? For this is the most important thing that one must believe. And if you say yes, then you're in a good position to get saved, but you must ask Him to take control of your life. You must surrender your life to Him. You must call Him Lord. And when you call Him Lord, He becomes your Savior. I'm going to pray. We're going to invite everyone in the room to pray with us. Say this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe in Your Son, Jesus. I believe that He lived. I believe that He died. I believe He died for me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Cleanse me. Forgive me. I accept you now as my Lord and as my Savior. I receive forgiveness of sin and the free gift of eternal life. Old things are passed away. Old sin, old hurt, old habits, they're all passed away. Thank you for a brand new heart and a brand new beginning. Jesus, You are my Lord. God, You're my Father. Thank You for saving me now. In Jesus' name, Amen.